That is right. Welcome in. Chase and TD, ESPN 1025, the game streaming all around the world on the Game Nashville app. Good Friday evening, everybody. Chase McCabe alongside ESPN's Teron Davenport. He covers the Tennessee Titans for ESPN as uh, they are coming off a win, 2-2 two and two on the season, and the mighty Buffalo Bills in town this weekend. And Teron, uh, looking forward to this one. Always... Always some bad blood between the Bills and the Titans. I, I I don't think their fan base, I don't think they've forgotten 1999, so or 2000, early 2000, those playoffs. So the Music City Miracle. We actually had Lorenzo Neal in studio today, I and heard so him he was talking morning. about that. Yeah, my man, he he, yo, I want to do a show. Lorenzo Neal, if you are listening, we follow each other. Hit me up on my DMs. We need to do a show together, Dude. or just have you as a guest on our show, Chasing TD. Dude, he he is he's something else, man. Yeah, he, he has jokes for days. He comes in, he comes in, and calls Derek the bootleg preacher. That's what he's always called him. <laughs> Bottle in one hand, Bible in the yeah. other, and he, it's just the back and forth with those two is hilarious. But and then he was telling us, you know, Darren asked him when he was here in the midday show, "Would you like to block for Derek Henry?" And he goes, "I got one play left in me," and I tell him, "Get on my hip, don't dip." Yep, that's it. Get on my <laughs> hip, but don't dip. That's what he was saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what you? I haven't gotten to talk to you in a couple weeks. Yeah. So, Calvin, I heard uh, through my sources, did a fine job last week filling he in did. for me. He did. He did a great job. We had a little Atlanta theme music. Yeah. And uh, in Calvin's place, Elijah did a great job as well. We kept it moving while you were out there drinking a, sipping on a drink with an umbrella in it. I was. I figured that. I, I was. That. It was a good time sitting on the beach. And uh, how about the, you know, because I was in the Tampa area and then the Bucks go out and hang 55 on the LA Rams. So, but uh, the Titans and the Falcons, I did get to watch that, of course, and take notes. I love that offense in the first half is what I would love to see for the rest of time. And now I know they were going up against a defense that wasn't great. They're going to get a bigger test this weekend uh, against Buffalo. You and I were watching, um, or you were watching, I walked into the studio, you were watching some of the, the All-22 and yeah. showing me some things that the Bills' defense will do. So obviously they're going to get a tougher test defensively, but that's what Marcus Mariota and that offense needed to do. They needed to go in and get a little confidence, and I thought they did that. Yeah, 100%. And the thing that really – in looking at some of the numbers and just thinking back on that game, going into that game, they were only scoring, I think it was like 1.2 points per game in the first quarter. They jumped out and scored 14 points, and coincidentally, they jumped up to 18th. They were like 30th, but they jumped up to 18th, and their average now is 4.2 points in the first quarter. And when you look at the Bills, their average is 3.8. So it kind of showed – how this team, what what the what the uh, Titans need to do is get off to an early start. Yep. Right. Because defensively, they were they're giving up eight point five points per game in the first quarter. This game coming up, they have to get off to an early start because these fans deserve a show. These fans deserve to see something early. But when you look at what they did against Atlanta, awesome job just making sure that that ball was coming out of Mariota's hands quickly and into the hands of the playmakers, AJ Brown. And allowing them to do things that they could do with that football. Listen, I listen to you because you see things that, you know, nothing against the other media, but you see things that some people don't because you study plays and you play the game and, and all of that. So I listen to you, and you've been high on A.J. Brown even before the Titans drafted him. Yeah. 
now it's all shown. I mean, everybody's seeing it now. He's, Just, he, that guy's a playmaker. He's the real deal. I mean, that's really the bottom line. He's a complete receiver. If there's one thing that he could tweak is get better in and out of his breaks, if he does that, Man, Which, look, cancel Christmas everywhere because yeah. he's going to really do a lot of plays. Well, and everybody was worried about Taewon Taylor being gone. They don't have a deep threat receiver. I mean, A.J. Brown is becoming that guy. Well, I mean, 50, now, a lot of it's yak, but, I mean, he's you know he's catching the ball and then he's making a big play. So, I mean, he's getting big chunk yardage when he catches the ball. Exactly. So, that, that 55-yard touchdown uh, was huge for the Titans. And then Corey Davis, he's like, hey, I'm here too. Yeah. And that's the thing, Corey Davis's touchdown. While AJ Brown's was really uh, encouraging, and, and from from uh, you, you know a receiver perspective, mm-hmm. Corey Davis's touchdown was obviously encouraging from a receiver because he caught the ball, stayed in bounds, and and he scored the touchdown. But that throw by Marcus Mariota, let me tell you something. Those are the throws that makes it so mind-boggling when it comes to evaluate and then watch Mariota because that throw, he, he hit that third step, pow, that ball was out, and Corey Davis hadn't even been into his break yet, let alone coming out of it. Right. And he threw it to a spot, and I talked to Corey uh, on Talking With TD. We broke that one down, and Corey said that that throw, the way that it was with the anticipation to that spot, it made him get more separation. It made him – come out his breaks quicker, and in essence, that allowed him to catch the ball, stay in bounds, turn that thing upfield, and score a touchdown. I'm going to give praise to somebody. Uh-oh. And it's somebody I've, I've been I've been hard on since right. we started this show. I have been tough on. <laughs> you must be talking about 2-5. I'm talking about 2-5. Yeah. He had a nice game. Dory Jackson had a nice game. And, and I know he needed that, and he wanted that. I thought there was some – and it was one of the first plays of the game first, that he, yep. he broke up. And they kept showing him, and Malcolm Butler had a nice game too. But yeah. Dory Jackson, clean, made big plays, did his job. Yeah, I, I like seeing I, him. I'm smiling because – and I, I went up to a Dory today, and I told him. I said, look, man, what you did out there on Sunday, that's that's what I'm talking about. That, yeah. that was an awesome job. I love the way you played with aggression. You did. And, and he was so – and he let it know – he let it be known from the jump, from Jump Street. He had that pass breakup. He was right in, in Ridley's. Because, you, you know, Adore is normally a nonchalant, chill type of dude. So to see him turn up a little bit the way he did is definitely encouraging. I asked Mike Vrabel about that. And Vrabel, right away, he smiled and he nodded his head and he agreed. And he said, as a coach will always do, they're going to find something, uh, some way to spin it forward. Sure. He said, well... We need to keep that up and be consistent, yep. and that's a hundred percent right. Well, that's the theme of the whole team. That that's yeah. all I want to yeah. see. And you know, I, I've been critical of Marcus and the offense, and I've been critical of Adoree Jackson. And some people agree with that. You know, I, I I learned on Twitter as I had learned every week, but I learned everything wrong in the world, as you like to say, because right. I tweet I tweeted that really liked the first half. Things I want to see different in the second half. A win is a win. Two and two, and people were like, "Can't we just enjoy the win? Yeah. Can't you just be positive?" And I'm, I'm like, "Listen, I'm gonna tell you when there are things that, you know, when you have a team that you should be beating and you should control that game, don't let them off the hook." And it's not that the the Falcons were coming back and gonna win, but they took their foot off the gas in the second half, and you know they used Derrick Henry, and that's what they need to do. But I, as you get later on in the season. 
and you're playing tougher opponents like you're going to have this weekend, you can't do stuff like that. So why not just, you know, just take them out of it and show that you can you can make plays in the second half on offense and get that fourth touchdown for Marcus Mariota. I mean, keep keep going after it, and that's just all I want to see because that leads to consistency. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. You, you want to see a team keep, and I think we talked about this on Monday. Yeah, I want probably. To say, and it, it's you want to see a team keep their foot on the pedal, but at the same time, it's just like this team is just not built to to do. They're more built to get that lead and sit on it, and nurse yeah. it, and 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 cultivate it. And there are going to be times. I mean, they got to play the Chiefs. They got to play the Saints. There are going to be times. When you just have to, if you get a lead, you got to keep loading yeah, and loading yep. and loading the wagon, as one of my receiver coaches used to say. So I get it, what you're saying, but at the same time, you got to understand what's what's involved with with this team. Uh, I will say that the defense is starting to show me that they're a defense that can can basically step in there and take control of a game. That if the offense does slack, if the offense does show some of the deficiencies that they have, the defense can show up and they can take control. And uh, Harold Landry, that guy that we've been waiting to see, kind of have a breakout two sacks on the day, that was really good to see. I really like what I saw out of the Titans defense. Yeah, Harold Landry was able to get in there and, and get some pressure. Listen, man, <laughs> the grimace, right? Yeah. Oh, Jarrell Casey got in there. and, and He's like, hey, he, I'm still here. He had the trifecta. And if you guys get a chance to make sure you listen to the breakdown, mm-hmm. and that's going to be on after after this show yep. also. So make sure you, you, you stay aboard and listen to that because he talked about how uh, Matt Ryan, like, first off, his assignment, like his run block, run, uh, run defense assignment, excuse me, changed to pass defense mid-play, and he was able to flip that switch. And then he said how, Matt Ryan was so it was he was surprised that Ryan tucked it, and I, I tell you, man, you get Casey going, in addition to getting Henry going, and then once Wake comes back and he's back in effect, a defense is going to be something special. Oh yeah, I mean they're getting better with each passing week, and that's what you hope to see out of them is a is a team that continues to grow and continues continues to get better. So like we said, you know the Buffalo Bills a little bit better. Uh, they gave New England everything they had. I mean, they they challenged New England. Uh, we don't know if Josh Allen is going to play still in the protocol. So uh, I think it's going to be Barkley. I think that's probably who they're going to end up facing. So, But I don't want Titans fans or the Titans themselves to go, ah, okay, Matt Barkley, we got this. Because so many times they've been burnt by bad quarterbacks. That defense, period. That yeah. defense that Buffalo has is too good to sleep on. I don't care if I'm the quarterback. Uh, on Sunday. That defense is too good to, to sleep on. Let's uh, squeeze in a call real quick and go to uh, Darrell. He he doesn't trust Mariota. Daryl. Daryl, I'm sorry. That's right. Uh, yeah, well, I don't. But uh, the reason that, that Arthur let off the gas in the second half is because they don't trust Marcus. You know, if he plays like he did in the first half the rest of the year, then, you know, he'll, he's going to gain some trust. But until we see more than one game or two games of, of, of consistency, they can't trust him. And I think they'd be crazy to trust him. Daryl, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think. Thanks for the call. I think what they have to do is trust the scheme. Yeah. Keep that thing short, quick, 
So that way his decisiveness is, is increased. It's forced to be increased. And then one thing that you have to remember about Marcus, I know you say you don't trust him. However, no quarterback that's active right now has a longer streak of not throwing an interception. Uh-huh. 169 attempts. The next up is who? The best quarterback in football, not named Russell Wilson, and that's Pat Mahomes at 163. So, oh, yeah, and by the way, Russ is at, at number four with 151. Yeah, Whew, that game last night. Yeah, he's, Russell is he's just, something special. I mean, that, that's one of those games, you watch his performance last night, you're just sweaty afterwards. <laughs> you know, you're just like watching that man work. It is Chase and TD, Chase McCabe, Teron Davenport here on ESPN 1025, the game. We will get a Buffalo perspective when we come back. Marcel Luis Jocks covers the the Bills for ESPN. That is all next. ESPN 1025 The Game. Buffalo Little Bob Marley bringing us back. Chase and TD, ESPN 1025 The Game, streaming on the Game Nashville app as well. How's it going? Chase McCabe alongside ESPN's Teron Davenport. Yes, yes. Let's get the perspective of the Buffalo Bills. We say hello to Marcel Louis Jacques from ESPN. He covers the Bills for them. Marcel, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, really, uh, I appreciate that intro song, man. <laughs> for real, for real, man. Had to do that for you. You know, a Buffalo soldier, dreadheaded roster. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with uh, the, the big question for the Buffalo Bills as they come off the loss to New England. Josh Allen leaves the game with a concussion. He remains in the protocol. What have you heard? Do you think he's going to be cleared in time to play, or is it going to be the Matt Barkley show? So Sean McDermott famously doesn't like to tip his hand when it comes to when it comes to injuries. So for Bills fans and Titans fans listening as well, the key is going to be that 4 p.m. deadline tomorrow, where teams need to finalize their their roster for Sunday. Uh, the Bills currently are at 52. So if that deadline comes and goes without them adding an additional quarterback, you can go ahead and assume Josh Allen will play. There's no way on God's holy earth, they're going to come into this game with just one active quarterback. Um, there's also the chance that they add Davis Webb, though, and that would throw a little bit of doubt as to Josh's availability for Sunday. But he has been, he has been practicing in limited capacity all week. He's in, uh, he's in stage four of the protocol, which allows for non-contact uh, football drills. But as, as you know, when, when you see these guys practice every week, any team, for a quarterback, every week is non-contact mm-hmm. football drills. Exactly. So there had no, they had no rush in, in getting him activated and getting him officially cleared from protocol. Uh, this way it keeps Tennessee uh, preparing for two quarterbacks instead of putting all their efforts into one. It's just uh, you know one of those little loopholes, one of those games, that uh, bureaucratic games that, that teams like to play with one another. But uh, all signs are pointing toward him being fine. He's playing ping pong in the locker room the other day. He seems like himself. Uh, walking throughout the facility, I, I would lean more toward that than the other direction. Now, Marcel, I'm curious of what the mood was like in the locker room this week because even though they lost and no, no player likes to lose, it, it was respectable. 16-10 was the final. They hung right there to the end with the Patriots. Even though Josh Allen had three interceptions, you had production out of Frank Gore, of course, and uh, and that block punt was really what changed everything. So what was the mood like this week? Uh, there's a little disappointment there. Uh, no, no dejection. I, I think this is a team that believes it 
should have won. And by all means, I mean, when you, you turn the ball over four times against the New England Patriots and you only lose by six, uh, th- that's something to be proud of. Uh, so it was a little disappointment, not exactly dejection. Uh, I think they want to bounce back strong before this bye week. Uh, you know, this isn't a, a city and a, a franchise used to getting a lot of positive uh, attention nationally. And I don't think, uh, no matter how much they say they don't care about that perception, I don't think they want to go into this bye week with uh, leaving a bad taste in their mouths and, and the football world's mouths either. So it'll be, it'll be an interesting game no matter who's at center uh, on Sunday. Because to be blunt, this offense doesn't really need to do a whole lot. They just need somebody who's not going to turn the ball over, and that's kind of literally the job of a backup quarterback. <laughs> so uh, I, I think they're coming into this motivated. I think the loss was a little annoying, but uh, they still have a very concrete understanding of, of their value. The Bills are number four in the league as far as rushing offense, 147.2 yards per game. Obviously, Gore is a big part of that. I'm going to ask you about him, but – when it comes to Devin Singletary, he has the hamstring issue. He's questionable. What's the deal with him? Yeah, this is how to explain to me uh, these hamstring things. If you put you know, a small tear in a rubber band, it might not be much when you're not doing anything to it. But once you stretch it out, the thing's going to snap. And I think that's what's been going on with Devin Singletary right now is there's a little concern that if he overexerts it, that they're going to lose him for that longer period of time. And, uh, once that's another situation where you know McDermott doesn't really want to tip his hand, and uh, if I had to guess, they they probably hold him out another week with this bye coming up and just let him fully heal. I think Frank Gore is capable of of carrying the workload there, and um, but a lot of it has to do when Singletary's on the field. What he brings is that that threat to the edge mm-hmm. of the line of scrimmage. Uh, they haven't really been able to control that edge without him. Um, but it, which makes it even more commendable that Frank's been able to do what he's been doing between the tackles. But uh, a lot of those numbers, those rushing numbers, are predicated on Josh Allen. Uh, I think he spread the defense out. He, he makes them, he makes defenses respect the edge, and uh, you can't just stack him up because he can beat you around the corner. And he's quick enough to to pick up some some chunks of yards if you're not paying attention. Yeah, and that's so, a- uh, it, it'll be really interesting to see. That's a good mention. A lot of people don't realize how much a quarterback that could put those get-somewhere shoes on and, and, and rush the ball the way Allen can. A lot of people don't realize how much that impacts the rushing defense overall. Um, but I want to talk about Frank Gore because this is a guy – I mean, I remember as a fan of the 49ers, I, man, Frank Gore is amazing. So when you look at how he's impacted some of the other guys – in the time that, that you've been there and that he's been there, how could you measure his impact on the locker room? Like, What, what is that like? Uh, I mean, you can really you, – you look no further than the guy next to him on, on the depth chart in, in Devin Singletary. I think that it, it's a major reason why the Bills felt comfortable letting LaShawn McCoy go this offseason because they had a, they had a, a rookie who was – you know, more ready to play than originally expected. And then the perfect mentor for him and, you know, fellow South Florida native Frank Gore. So uh, he, he's been, his work habits, his outlook on the league, his experience from, from 15 seasons, uh, I think it really can't be understated on, on some of the team's younger players. I mean, 
guys like like Josh Allen who grew up in in Central California, grew up supporting the Niners and, and seeing Frank Gore every Sunday at the very least. Uh, that's just it, it's a big welcome to the league moment when you step in the locker room and Frank's in there waiting and working. So I, I think you know, like I said, it can't be understated. He can't be undervalued uh, in just a short amount of time. He's a very respected. Uh, veteran and member of this locker room. Marcel Luis Jock here with us on ESPN one or two five. The game talking Buffalo Bills as they come to town to take on the Tennessee Titans this Sunday. Now defensively, I think we're going to get a fun matchup because both of these teams uh, have pretty good defenses. And you were talking about the offense with the Bills earlier of having a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over. Marcus Mariota has not done that through the with an interception as of yet this season but this is going to be a tough defense for him to go up against what have you uh heard in talking to players that they've been doing to prepare for Mariota in this offense I mean they're just ready for they're ready for another slugfest it's kind of what this defense is built is built to do there's not there is not an obvious weakness at any level of it and so what they want to do is kind of more or less what what New England forced uh forced Josh Allen to do last week, force him to make those throws in the pocket, take away the running game. And uh, I think that's where, that's where a lot of Tennessee's offensive strength comes from. If you have that, what is he, 6'2", 250 back in the backfield who can pick up four or five yards every time he touches the ball, then it opens up the rest of the field uh, for Mariota. It opens up those passing lanes. And so I think priority number one is to make sure Derrick Henry's got to fully exert himself for every yard he gets and want to take that away and make Mario to beat him with his arm. Uh, it's a defense that prides itself on taking the ball away. Uh, I don't think that they are necessarily intimidated by, by any quarterback, any streak. And I mean, it's hard to be any more confident after shutting Tom Brady down last week, after holding one of the, if not the greatest quarterback of all time to one of his worst games of his career. So that, that confidence is peaking right now. I think Mariota's probably going to have a tough go. The Titans have what I call a yak monster in, in A.J. Brown. You, you've seen it if you watched last game, which I'm sure you have. And then on the other side, you got Corey Davis who could break tackles and, and do some things from that perspective as well. Have you noticed the secondary during individual period? Are they working more on, like, are they doing more tackle drills and working on punching the ball out and those kind of things? I think ball hawking and, and, and taking the ball away, like I said before, is always a, it's always a focus for them. Um, haven't seen anything specific out of anything out of the, the ordinary so far. Um, what I, what I think the biggest concern here though is, is something that's kind of hard to, to, to teach against, uh, and it's just the size discrepancy. Tavarius mm-hmm. White's about 5'11. Uh, Levi Wallace is about six feet tall, but neither of them are, you know, much more than 185, 190 pounds. Davis and uh, Davis and, and Brown are two big physical receivers, and so I'm, I'm really interested to see how uh, how the two these two corners can uh, how they how they can find success against much larger opponents but don't sleep on that safety tandem of, of Jordan Boyer yeah. and Micah Hyde these are these are two guys who I mean it's hard to even call them safeties that's just where they're playing but they are capable you know playing a corner they're capable of playing in a box playing over the top um, and both of them have a nose for the ball they're both willing tacklers as well it's um it's really hard to throw against this defense and teams don't go deep against the Bills for a reason yep. so uh, that's 
if I'm Tennessee, I'm just trying to get the ball into, into those big guys' hands as quickly as possible because once you pass that 10-yard threshold, then you're getting into Poyer and Hyde territory, and those are dangerous waters, man. Marcel, we appreciate it, and uh, hopefully won't we won't have any lateral or forward pass controversies uh, during this <laughs> matchup. Uh, yeah, sorry, it's, had to. It's funny, I had uh, I obviously I knew of the play, I knew that it was the Titans that did it. I had no idea that it was against the Bills until I got out here, and yeah. I had about six hundred mentions asking if it was a forward pass or not. <laughs> we I'm actually like, oh, had, man, it's, he's still mad. We actually had Lorenzo Neal, who was the, the fullback that actually caught the ball before handing it off to Frank Wycheck, who was a part of that play 20 years ago. He was in studio today, so we were walking down memory lane and talking about that. So uh, one, of the, one of the best plays in NFL history as voted on by, yep. by everyone, the top 100. So, Marcel, we appreciate it. And, by the way, Marcel, when you when you touch, you know, like I said, just shoot me a text. We'll go, go get some hot chicken. I'm not going to say where because they're not paying for advertising. You know what I'm saying? Nothing's free. <laughs> but I will take you, and we'll go get that. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's that hospitality, baby. Yes, Miss sir. Yourself. You know it. All right, we'll see you Sunday. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Marcel Louise Jacques from ESPN covers the bills for them. You know what? We're going to see some pretty good running backs on Sunday, Tehran. So we will talk about them when we come back. Frank Gore, Derek Henry, that's next. Chase and TD, ESPN, 125 The Game. Thank you, Rashawn. TD, you are in a Bob Marley mood, and I like it. Got the shirt on and everything, man. If we don't get some three little birds, I'm going to be very disappointed. Sorry. Listen. No. No three little birds? Can only do five, man. Don't worry about a thing. I did my top five favorites. Three little I considered it, but mm. sorry. Every little thing's gonna be all right. <laughs> so speaking of every little thing being all right, the running backs for both the Titans and the Bills, uh Frank Gore at the ripe age of seventy five, I mean still getting it done. And you were talking about his days with the 49ers and how you were a big fan of his. But then he goes to the Colts, and now, of course, he's with the Bills. And I I don't think he's somebody you want to lean on for the entire season. Singletary, once he's healthy, you know, he's going to help take some reps. But right now, I mean, he had over 100 yards last week. He can be a productive back for this Bills team. It's something the Titans are going to have to be ready for. Man, Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Derrick Henry agrees. He was yep. he was asked about that and he said the same thing. And it's funny because like you see I'm not gonna say Derrick Henry because he doesn't look like a running back. But you see okay, good example. You you see David Fluellen, like the way he's built, you're like, that's an NFL running back. Yep. You see Frank Gore, you're like uh... that dude really and he's always been that way. But what remains to be the fact is he is one of the hardest running backs to take down, and he doesn't have it as much as he used to, but there was a time where that dude would inch through that little crease, house call. He would take it to the house. He's not that same guy anymore, and even if you look going back to the days when he played with the 49ers, I mean, he had J.T. O'Flippin' Sullivan as his quarterback, but they had him – Lining up in the slot, he was running routes as a, as a receiver. Like Frank Gore is complete, and one thing that no one gives him credit for, and I asked Dean Pease about this, and he agreed. Frank Gore, now in my opinion, he's the best ever at this, and that's blitz pickup 
and, and just being able and pass protection, period, how smart he is and able to scan the field, go outside, in, inside out, whatever he needs to do in order to pick up blockers. Dean P said that he was one of the he is one of the best at that. So I mean, listen, Frank Gore gets a gets a glowing uh, endorsement from me. You know, the inconvenient truth. That's what they used to call him in San Francisco. <laughs> Frank the Tank. He had multiple names, and he's he's a pro also. He he knows everything about the offense that he's in. And like I said, he's a complete back. Definitely someone who I'm looking forward to watching. It's It's been a while since I got to see Frank uh, play, so I'm looking forward to being on to see him. So Derrick Henry, though, is is pretty good in his own right. He had a lot of praise for Frank Gore. If you are Derrick Henry, you're standing on the Titans' sideline while your defense is out there and you're watching Frank Gore, what are you trying to take away? Now, you're worrying about your game, but I feel like if you play a position and you, you are playing against a legend, you got to take some notes. And, and Derrick Henry, 310 yards on the season so far. I mean, he's he's showing the league what's up, but he yeah. there's definitely some takeaways. I think the biggest takeaway for Derrick Henry, the biggest thing that he could gain from watching Frank Gore is just third down, that blitz, yep. or even just period, the blitz pickup. Frank Gore and, and uh, you know, Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown, Wesley Woodyard, if they get sent on those interior blitzes, you know, spiking those inside gaps, they better be ready because Frank Gore, is he's it? really good at that. So if I'm Derrick Henry, that's what I'm watching. Just the the way to better pick up a blitz. And there are times where I've seen Frank Gore take on defensive linemen. Derrick Henry is built to do that. Gore is not. So that's what I, I would watch if I was Henry. So through four games, Derrick Henry, 78 carries, 310 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. You have to feel pretty good about his performance. He He cracked 100 for the first time this season last week. He was right at 100 on 27 carries. Now, I understand a lot of that came in the second half. They were uh, trying to kill the clock. That's what you want to do yeah. with Derrick Henry. But I thought they did a good job of using him uh, throughout the game. And and that's what we like seeing. And and that's by far the most carries he's had all season, 19, 15, 17, and then 27. Do you like how Arthur Smith is using Derrick Henry so far through four games? Well, to start off with the using him at the end of the game, I mean – Derrick Henry is like Edwin Diaz, the good one, the one that was in Seattle, right, <laughs> that saved 50-plus games. Yeah. He's like that, where you bring him in to just shut stuff down. And that's what he did against the, the Falcons. Now, Arthur Smith, I think he's lost in all of the credit that's being given to this team. And I'm going to mention a play where Arthur Smith – now, he's he's doing a great job of designing plays. There was there was a run where they had, uh, I want to say it was in the second quarter. I want yeah, I think it was the second quarter. It might have been the first, but there was a run where the ball was more towards the right hash. So the right side of the field is is the boundary. The field side is on the left. They had big uh, personnel in their jumbo personnel. Corey Davis was the lone receiver. They mentioned uh, motion Jonu Smith from the right side to the left side. The defense reset. Once Jonu Smith reset and the defense reset, Corey Smith went from the boundary, or excuse me, from the field to the boundary. So that left nothing but air and opportunity for Derrick Henry, and they designed the play to go to the outside, and they got Henry one-on-one with the DB. Now, listen, 
I, I fear no man, and I'm sure that DB fears no man, but I guarantee you he was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and that stiff arm came, and next thing you know, it was a 14-yard game. That is what I, I call scheming your running back to get yards. And that was an excellent play call, excellent design by, by Arthur Smith. But unfortunately, he's not going to get credit for it. That's why I'm here, because yeah. he deserves credit for that. And, and he's designed a number of plays and I, I think Arthur Smith is being slept on as an OC. No, I agree. I, I think he's done a good job. I, I think he's definitely got, done a good job. And it's it's one of those things that there have been some times where you question, eh, why'd you call that play in that situation? He's still learning. But I, I, I have been I've been happy with him so far. Now it's just all you know coming together. They're just a quarter of the way through the season. They played yeah. four games. There's still a long way to go. Now, there is going to be a familiar face on the offensive line for the Buffalo mm. Bills. Quentin Spain goes there in the offseason after leaving the Tennessee Titans, and so much has been made about the guard position with the Titans. You know, they felt they could upgrade over Quentin Spain, and and so they did that with Roger Saffold. Taylor Lewan is back to, to help with Saffold on the left side, but Quentin Spain, uh, this is going to be interesting to see him match up against the Titans on the O-line. Yeah, 100%. That's going to be very interesting because, for me, when I look at Spain, he's now in a scheme that's better for him. Spain isn't that zone-blocking guy. He's not that guy to go block spots. He's that guy where you say, okay, that guy in front of you, what I need you to do is is, is move him. That's what that's what he specializes in. So I think it's, it's an upgrade on both sides, right? It's an upgrade for Spain because he's in a better system. It's an upgrade for the Titans because now they have someone who is perfectly suited for what they do. Saffold has done that before in L.A. Yeah. So I think having Saffold and, and Taylor Lewan is going to be a good combination. Henry happens to excel going to the left side. But as far as Spain is concerned, I going against those those guys on the inside, you know, Daquan Jones, Jarrell Casey, who, who's coming to his own, I think as he gets further away and better with that knee, I think you're going to see a more effective Casey. I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup, though, going against Spain. Yeah, me too. One more thing on the offensive line from the Titans' point of view. Nate Davis. Mm -hmm. You think we're going to see see more of that? Cause he's I, starting. I like, yeah, he's starting. He's starting. Yeah. Put your money on that. I think he has to. 30, 39. None and of this rotation and all this. I don't think there's going to be a rotation. Uh, I think they feel – now – Vrabel, when he spoke today, he said that he, you know, Spain, or excuse me, um, Nate Davis can't make up the time that he missed. Like, you can't make it up. However, he gave the inclination that they're comfortable with him being a starter. Kevin Palmfield is, is not, he's not, he's out, right? And I don't think, I don't think Douglas is the player that Nate Davis is. Now, Davis is raw, but the thing is, one thing he knows how to do is sink that anchor and not allow someone to get past him. As long as he could do that, they're good. But then also, when you look at the zone scheme and when you look at a guy getting on the move and making blocks, Nate Davis is really good at that. He said, actually, because we had him on talking with TD before the draft, he said that's what he likes to do. He likes to go and get guys in space because he wants to be able to maul down linebackers and DBs. And I think something that's beneficial to keep in mind is, yeah, Jamil Douglas would probably be, if you have to make a change of Nate Davis, if there's something going on, he's just not playing well, you go to Douglas. But Dennis Kelly is capable. Mm -hmm. If they need to go to Dennis Kelly, and now that with Taylor Lewan back, 
they can use that versatility that Dennis Kelly brings to the Tennessee Titans. When we come back on Chase and TD, we take a look at the Bills' defense, led by Micah Hyde and others. We'll discuss that next here on ESPN 1025 The Game. We are jamming, Chase and TD, ESPN 1025 The Game. Every time I hear this, I think of one thing. There's a Simpsons episode where it's at the very end and Chief Wiggum and the police, like they go to this house or something for, I can't remember what it was. And they're like, we're going to be here for a while, boys. And they turn on this and (laughs) Chief Wiggum's like, we're jamming. (laughs) There's your Simpsons reference. Every time I hear all I think of is, is, have you ever been to a reggae concert? I have not. Man, whenever when that music starts playing and and the Jamaican cats, the rosters, they start feeling it, all you hear is bruh, bruh, like as if they're, they're <laughs> like as if they're shooting the, like they're yeah. killing clouds, man. It's it, it's uh they they get hyped to that stuff, man. I bet they do. Sure. It's it, look, Bob Marley is the best. So the defense for the Buffalo Bills, and you uh, you mentioned Micah Hyde earlier, and uh, you know d- different players that they have on that defense. This is going to be a tough test for the Titans as as they match up mm-hmm. with them. Uh, what have you seen in your studies? You, Like I said, you were watching the All-22 earlier and showing me some plays and things that they do. But, I mean, it, it's not just the secondary. they got a pretty good secondary, but that, that front seven is pretty good as well. Yeah, well, if we break it down by levels of, of the defense and focus on the secondary for now, I mean, you're right. It's not just the secondary. They have some guys up front, and we'll get into them in a moment. Um, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, I always say how Kevin Byard and, and Kenny Vaccaro are one of the, the top safety tandems. Well, yep. this tandem is right there as well. And you heard Marcel, Louis Jock, he, he referred to that just as far as their ability to, to play corner. Like, they're DBs. That's really what they are. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really categorize them as a safety or a corner um, because they could do both. And I think that's one thing that really helps as far as their pass defense. And then they're, they're physical. Right, their guys are short tacklers. Uh, you mix in Trey Davis White, and I, I know he's five eleven, one eighty five, whatever he is. But Trey White is a very physical corner, and he's someone that I remember that year coming out. He was my top corner in that draft class. I, I think, and Adoree was in that, by the way. He's actually ascending to one. I would call him a legit top five corner right now. Yeah, and I think when you have a corner like that, and then you add the, the guys that they have at safety and the fact that they they don't allow anything to get past them. If you watch some of the film and, and Calvin, we were looking at that and I think it was the, it was the Bengals game. Man, Poyer had lined up. I'm talking about lined up pre-snap, 15 yards off the ball. And then once the ball was snapped, he sprinted out. So in total, before the ball was thrown, he was about 25 yards off the ball. You're not going to throw the ball deep on them. That's why they allowed zero passes of 40 yards or more. I actually got to talk to Mike Vrabel. I asked Mike Vrabel about that during his Wednesday press conference because I was really curious what he thought of that secondary. Here's what he has. I I think that the corners, first of all, they'll challenge in the post-safety stuff, that they stay very tight coverage. Very few people get behind them. A rangy secondary safeties that 
you know, we'll disguise and end up in post safety defense. They do a great job of reading the eyes of the quarterback. And that's something that they pride themselves in is not not giving up big plays and making you earn it. That's Mike Vrabel in the Wednesday press conference on the uh, the secondary for the Buffalo Bills. So the question is going to be, you know what they are. You have to respect that. How do you combat it? Now, the first thing that comes to mind is what we saw last week is A.J. Brown with that yak, mm-hmm. the, the the king of the yak. or what What is it you refer to him as? A, a the, yak monster. Yak, yak monster. That, I think, is kind of how you can, you can go about it because you're not going to beat him deep. And you don't necessarily have a guy that can go do that. Corey Davis, with his build, he'll be able to do some of that. And so I, I think that's how you go after him outside of just turning to the run game. But you're going to have to pass the football, and I think that's how the Titans can uh, can battle that. Yeah, you can't – and, you know, you're not going to see too many people more uh, who are higher on Derrick Henry than me, but you can't just turn around and hand him the ball 30 to 40 times against this defense and expect success. They're number seven in the NFL, giving up 84.2 yards rushing per game. However, they're number four – in passing defense, 196.5. As we said, zero past 40 yards. So you have to figure out a way in order to get them to loosen up, like to, to attack them. And when you look at uh, Tremaine Evans, Edmonds, excuse me, he's a guy, like they, they put their linebackers, like they, they stack them in, in the interior gaps, and they like to allow them to kind of drop into that hook curl zone. So that's something to focus on. And then they have seven sacks, but they only uh, they only have seven sacks, but they still get pressure on the quarterback. So for me, I think you have to go to ways that you could get the ball into guys like A.J. Brown, guys like Corey Davis, Delaney Walker. You got to get it into their hands. But most importantly, A.J. Brown, just because mm-hmm. of – because it's a physical defense now, right? We, we talked about the secondary, and Vrabel talked about the secondary being physical. How do you combat that? With physicality. When you look at what the Patriots, you know, how they struggle, they didn't have the horses on the outside that the Titans do, specifically A.J. Brown. I actually asked A.J. Brown before the draft about his mindset and what allows him to turn into a running back as soon as he gets his hands on the ball because that's essentially what he does. Here's what A.J. had to say when I asked him that question. A lot of guys want to highlight. A lot of guys want to shake people and stuff like that. But when I get the ball, my mentality is to score every single time. So whatever I got to do to score, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run through a little arm side. So if somebody comes, they better come correct. That's just, they're just my, that's just me. AJ Brown on talking with TD before the draft uh, that you got a chance to t- to to uh, to chat with him. So, look, I, I'm with you on him. I, I believe he's going to be one of the top targets. And I would like to see Delaney Walker used a little bit more than we've seen over the past few weeks because that game against Cleveland is like, all right, mm-hmm. he's back, the Mac Daddy, to use a segment. I mean, <laughs> da- Daddy is home. But they've kind of gone away from him. And you can credit some of the defenses for taking him out. And Marcus is also being more versatile. He's going to some of the weapons that, that they have added on this team. But I think this is a week where you could see some of Delaney Walker. Yeah, it is. And what you see with Marcus is he's getting more comfortable with Brown because he's getting those free yards, right? He's got – he had two plays over 50 yards. Uh, uh, both of those plays, a good three-quarters of the yards came via A.J. Brown's legs. So right. he's going to be a little more comfortable, but you're right. You got to get Delaney involved. 
I think this is a week where you could see Deion Lewis start to get involved a little bit also. Just for me, uh, Man, watching, I hope so. watching the Patriots game, they did a lot with, with James White and got him matched up against uh, Matt Milano, number 58, the linebacker. And that was advantage Patriots. I think just the same is advantage Titans here. So you want to motion him outside. You want to line him up outside. Do some empty formation, right, and get him as, as a slot receiver. Do some things to get that matchup going on. He is Toronto Davenport. I am Chase McKay. We have much more coming in hour number two. I know there's a, a few more things we want to hit on the Bills defense that we'll get to, but also, uh, listen, can't make this be a letdown, a letdown game. That It has the makings that it could be because it's the Bills. You want to overlook them. This has to be a consistent game for the Tennessee Titans. We'll discuss that next. ESPN, 1025 The Game. That's right, Chase and TD, hour number two. Chase McCabe, Teron Davenport here with you. Calvin Smith on the ones and twos behind the glass. Calvin will be up bright and early Sunday morning for the kickoff alongside Ryan Porth. The best pregame show getting you ready for the Titans and Bills action. No Chase, though. That makes me a little sad. I haven't I haven't done a show with you in a little while, Chase. I'll What's be that deal? I know. I, out of town, or we didn't have a show. or I think I scared him off. I think I said pass the ball too many times, and I scared him off. You know, you want to hear something really but funny? I'm still around. Yeah, he's here. <laughs> so I get in. I do one of the the Sunday shows with Calvin, and I come in Monday, and Willie Donick is my co-host on on the midday show. Goes, you know, I, I really like. I mean, Calvin with the analytics, and he was mm-hmm. all excited about you know just the nerd stuff that Calvin likes. And I'm like, oh, you you two should get to know each other. <laughs> You're- oh, I'll get to know Willie for sure. We'll have it all on Sunday morning if you like a little bit of numbers. So yeah, they you do go. like the numbers, and, and the numbers never lie. By the way, I got compliments, a lot of compliments from fellow media folks about Calvin's job. Very nice. Jim really? White, the OG oh, Jim White, whoa. was Listen. one of them. So. Well, I, I am uh, too flattered right now. My head is getting huge, guys. Please. <laughs> now, l- listen, if Jim Wyatt says that you're doing a good job, then yeah. you pay attention to that. That's the OG, man. He is the GOAT uh, here in Nashville. All right, so being consistent. That has been the theme this season, really, for the past couple of years, about the Tennessee Titans, and especially their quarterback, Marcus Mariota. The Bills coming to town after losing a, a heartbreaker to New England – it has the chance to be a letdown game for the Titans. What do they have to do to not let that happen? Because last year when they played the Bills, it was a letdown game and they lost. Yeah, I think the big thing that they have to do, because last year's game, you had a couple fumbles. Taewon Taylor yep. had a fumble. Deion Lewis had one. Those ended up costing them. So first and foremost, you have to protect the football. And not only do you have to protect the football, if it does come out, you got to hope it bounces your way. And that's something that Mike Vrabel talked about just as far as they have been good on the turnover side of things, but he doesn't feel they've been good when it comes to protecting the ball. He said it's just happened to bounce their way uh, a multiple yeah. times. So that's something they, to keep note of. I think really uh, on defense, is you gotta, you got to tackle. Mm-hmm. That last drive to set up that field goal against the Bills uh, last year, you have, wasn't it, uh, Chris Ivory, I think it was. Was it Chris Ivory? Yeah, Chris Ivory, a, a guy who run he runs like a crash test dummy, right? So, <laughs> like, he relishes contact. When you have guys like that, you got to tackle. Flock to the football. And, uh, obviously, he's gone now, but still tackling. Because Frank Gore is no 
slouch as far as no. when it comes to being brought down. So those are two things off the top that you have to do. The thing they're going to be going up against the Bills, they are the number two total defense, just giving up 280 yards per game. Mm-hmm. With the offense and some of the deficiencies that they have, or inconsistencies, however you want to put it, with this Titans offense, that's that's not what you want to see coming to town. But listen, if you want to go from, we're going to use the phrase, good to great, you have to learn how to combat defenses like this. And so I look forward to seeing how Arthur Smith draws this one up, draws up the game plan against this defense, because it's not what they saw last week. Yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> Last week's defense, you know, reminded me of that stuff you put inside Twinkies, man. Like it was, <laughs> it was soft. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And some of the zones and stuff that they played, it was. I, I just wondered to myself, like, what on earth are they thinking? You're not going to see that this week. You're going to see a defense that flows to the football. You're going to see a defense that's very technically sound. So, for me, when I look at this, I, I think it's really going to come down to Arthur Smith, just designing plays. They are active and aggressive. Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, those corners uh, – are aggressive the safeties are aggressive misdirection is the key play action and watching that Bengals game any play that they had over 10 yards for the most part came all way of play action I wish we had video I was telling you about how they were able to use play action to influence the safety uh Poyer and Edmonds on on one of the the big plays by the Bengals uh big plays it was a 17 yarder but still that was a big play um that's what you have to do. Misdirection. You have to find ways to get these guys flowing one way and attack them a different one. So I think this is a good opportunity for Arthur Smith to to show his ability to put stuff together. I had a good talk with him after his presser just about, you know, putting some things together. I, I think he's going to be in a good place as far as uh, making this thing work. I think one thing he needs to do, and maybe he does it this week, is now that you have established – all right, Corey Davis, well, you know, he's he's a big weapon on offense. A.J. Brown, he's a big weapon on offense. Derrick Henry, you know what he is. Now you can start working in the Tajay Sharps, the Adam Humphreys, mm-hmm. the Delaney Walkers, Jonu Smith. You, you, have, you have more toys in the toy box that you can play with. So if Buffalo is, is preparing and they're, you know, they're, they're shutting down Corey Davis or they're shutting down A.J. Brown, that's when you work some of these other guys in there, which is what we've been hoping for all along – because that's why John Robinson was able to go. You know, he went down to Toys R Us and he he picked out some some new things for for the new offensive coordinator and Arthur Smith to play with. Yeah, for sure. Mike Vrabel, right? His wife Jen, she's a, a Warriors fan. Yeah, been a Warriors fan before they were on top and everything. What's one of the things that the Warriors do well? They have five to seven guys that on any well had yeah. on on any given night. Any one of them was capable of, of dropping 25 to 30 points. So you couldn't really attack any particular guy on the team. You couldn't shut you shut him down, well, Steph's going to go. You shut Steph down, KD, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what I think this Titans team is starting to build. But they have to feature Humphreys a little bit more. They have to feature Walker a little bit more. And in addition to featuring them, these guys, when they get their hands on the ball, they got to make it happen. Because let's look at it. A.J. Brown is not leading the team in catches, but he's leading the team in rush, in, in yards right. because of everything. that he's, He gets his hands on the ball. Big things are tending to happen. So I get it. You want to 
get more targets to Corey Davis. You want to get more targets to all these guys. But these guys also have to do things to warrant getting more targets. And I think that's where we're having the 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 kind of disconnect, you know, as far as more plays coming from A.J. Brown and coming from others. Why do you think Adam Humphreys is – I mean, he's had the one game that was pretty good, but that he's struggled for the most part or hasn't been used. It's not even his fault. He's not being targeted. So why mm-hmm. do you think that is? Because he was brought in to be that third down – and I – you know, one of the things that Mike Vrabel has been harping on is we got to be in third and manageable, and they haven't. They've been in mm-hmm. third and long mm-hmm. in a lot of situations. So Adam Humphreys is that guy. If you need four to three to two yards on third down, that's who you go to in the slot. But they just, they're not throwing it to him. I think this game is really going to tell because I know the whole concept of having him chip and then also – one of the other things that is going untalked about, undiscussed, is how much big personnel they have to go to. A.J. Brown's touchdown came, he was the only receiver on the field. So they're doing more 12 personnel, more 13 personnel, or 12 with a tackle eligible, Dan, uh, David yeah. Quisenberry. So for me, I want to see how the formation changes with Taylor Lewan in the game. One of the things that Taylor said was no more chipping. Right, right. At, at left tackle. No more, and not to slight Dennis Kelly, because to give you a number, Dennis Kelly and Calvin, we were talking about this on Wednesday, Dennis Kelly's pass block win rate is actually higher than mostly everyone else except for Ben Jones uh, on the team. So Kelly held it down. But I, I think you know having Lawan out there gives you more of that comfort and, and that ability to just open things up more. So I, I think we should see more spread, more uh, uh, empty, and that will allow Humphreys to get one-on-one in a more favorable matchup. Well, and I think, too, as Marcus built his confidence, which he has, or you know, even last week especially, I think that's going to help, too, that you're going to be able to give him more and he's going to spread it around and he's gonna, he won't be as afraid to sling it. And the biggest thing, too, is he was getting hit so much yeah. that I think that had a lot to do with it. So now that with Taylor in there, and look, Taylor's not going to fix every little problem that the oh, Tennessee Titans have. But having him in there is going to give Marcus a little bit more time. Nate Davis, as he continues to get comfortable, if he is truly the right guard that they're looking for, he's going to give him a little more time. So that is going to help as well. Yeah, 100%. And for me, like I said, it was all about going back to that quick pass game, that three-step. And Humphreys really is the guy when it comes to that because he's very tough to cover on those jerk routes and those different type of things. Who are you calling a jerk? You. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Teron Davenport, Chase McCabe here with you on Chase and TD. So the, this division, though, and really you can say this about the league, Teron, is uh, two and two seems to be kind of the way to go. And you have a lot of the road teams that are getting wins. I mean, there's just parity is at its best right now in the uh, in the National Football League. So when we come back, we'll take a look at the division, kind of kind of look at the AFC South, and this could be an opportunity for the Titans to really take control with a win over the Bills. He's Teron. I am Chase. It is Chase and TD, ESPN, one or two, five, the game. Redemption songs. Redemption songs. Emancipate Back here, Chase and TD, ESPN 1025, the game on the Game Nashville app. Chase McCabe, Teron Davenport. 
Calvin Smith and Bob Marley hanging out with you on a Friday night. Good stuff. I mean, you even got the shirt on. Got the shirt on. I'm feeling it, man. I want to just turn the lights down low, put the flashlight part of my phone on like like we're at a concert, and just wave my phone, man. I'm feeling this Bob Marley for Light sure. some incense. Hey, light some incense. I don't light anything else. So, yeah, yeah. we can light some incense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Twins lead the Yankees 2-0 in the bottom of the third inning in the ALDS game one, so a little baseball for you. But the division, the AFC South, Tehran, uh, it's been a, an interesting one so far, and we thought that it would be because we knew it was wide open. When Andrew Luck said, I'm done, I'm out, that really opened things up. And if you look at the standings, Houston leads the way, followed by Indianapolis, then Jacksonville, then the Titans. However... They are all two and two. Right. And Redemption Song is like the perfect song for this segment, especially when we're talking about the divisions, because after that loss to the Jaguars, pretty much everybody was like, man, another one of those seasons. Yeah. AFC South division champion. Forget right, about on. it. That's not going to happen. But you saw a really, really good performance against the Falcons. So lo and behold, the Titans are right back into it. And it's just – a testament to this division. Everybody has the same record, and it's something that we said. They're going to beat up on each other, and the the winner of this division is probably going to be ten and six, eleven and five, somewhere around around there. Yeah, I I'm I'm with you on that. And, and let's go team by team because I, I have a few questions about each one. I'll start with the Houston Texans. Number mm-hmm. one, Deshaun Watson when he was asked about the the coverage and the press conference and everything. I, did, I didn't have a problem with how he explained it. No. At first, I think he was a little irritated, but then he tried to explain like what was happening. And quite frankly, he just didn't have a good game. I mean, that's just kind of how it was. So Houston, with their offensive line problems, with Deshaun Watson still showing you know that he's growing as a quarterback, you know, I, I never thought that they were going to be really a threat to win the division, but like everyone else, they're hanging around. And the thing you have to remember with with the Texans is they start slowly. It's just something they tend to do. They've done it over the last couple of years. Um, and they get the Falcons this week. They get the Falcons this week, but they got firepower, man. Yeah. New Hopkins is the best receiver in oh. the division, right? He's not the most talented, but he's the best. Uh, Will Fuller is a deep threat. You know, and, and you look at the running back, Duke Johnson is no slouch. So, so they're in good shape. Deshaun Watson is – Right now, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the division. So I agree with that. you have the best quarterback, best receiver. That's always going to equal points. I just want to see how how the Titans late in in the year go against them. But I mean, the offensive line. I think that's something that's going to improve as Laramie Tunsil gets more settled in. So I would definitely watch out for the Texans. I think just because the quarterback position is so important, I think they're. The in, they have the inside track towards winning the division. And that defense is still south. Whitney Merciless? Yeah. And that, that's even without Jadavion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and don't forget that one of the other guests on Talking With TD, Charles Amenahue, is not showing up in the stat sheet. Yeah. But he said the way he's getting that pressure and, and attacking the inside, that's helping some of the guys on the outside. So Amenahue's balling too. The Indianapolis Colts now next. Jacoby Brissett. It's different this time around because he's been with the team for a few years. He's been with Frank Reich now in year number two. Mm-hmm. So he understands this offense. And so far at 500, now, you know, last week was they, they battled, 
But last week was a struggle against the Raiders. The Raiders ultimately walk away with the win. But Indy, not going away anytime no. soon. And, and I like the weapons that Jacoby Brissett has. Right. Well, T.Y. missed the game. Yeah, he was right? out. And, and then he's the second best receiver in the, in the division. <laughs> <laughs> uh, T.Y. missed the game. And then Darius Leonard has been out a couple games too. So they're trying to survive without one of the best offensive players and one of the best defensive players. But for me, when I look at the Colts, that formula that they have, right, the toughness on defense, that offensive line, then you got a running back and Marlon Mack, and Naeem Himes too. They're always going to be in the game. So I, I think, you know, it's again going to be close. I, I, I think the Titans are going to finish better than the Colts, but at the same time, you got to beat, beat them. They got one more chance to do it, so they're going to have to go up to Indy and, and do that. The Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Minshew mania. Wild. Running wild. It's running rampant. Leonard Fournette getting into arguments with teammates and everything, and yet here they are at 2-2. Two two. Gardner Minshew leading the way. It's not Nick Foles. And they got look, they're going up against Carolina, and Carolina's another 2-2 two and two team with a mm-hmm. backup quarterback playing. Mm-hmm. Can't forget Jalen, right? He's not going to play. Yeah, he's not going to play. You talk about turmoil. I I would hate to be in that locker room because. But they're five hundred. That's that's, a, that's what's crazy. Despite all that, they're five hundred, and it's offensively, man. Shout out to to uh, Coach Flip, John yeah. Filippo. He's putting that stuff together, and he's finding ways to make Minshew comfortable and and feature him and showcase him and, and allow him to. Show everybody what he's capable of doing. That offense is is solid. The defense, man, we are. Clayus Campbell's a a grown man and a half. So Josh Allen too. I I like the defense. I just I I don't think. I'm not fully sold on Minshew mania. I'm sorry. No, I'm not either. I I I know the mustache, the bandana, and the jorts. That's a cool thing, but. I'm not fully sold on that. I I don't think that that's something that's going to be sustainable for a full year. So I'm going to say the Jaguars finish at the bottom of the division. Teron, you've been around this game long enough. What usually happens when you get this just this new shiny, just sexy pick, and everybody's all excited? Comes in, wins a couple games. It's usually a backup quarterback. What happens? What do teams do? They start preparing. Yeah, and, and they scheming. start looking at film. Yeah, and then they start. They start finding the reasons that he was picked where he was picked and the reason that he's not a starter. It's usually about four games. Yeah. Once you see that fourth game, then then that's when you start to see things be a little more neutralized. Yeah, and, and that, I believe, is what's going to happen. So I think the Titans are in a good position. Now, with that said, you got to win the division games, and they're 0-2 in the division. So mm-hmm. they they missed a very, very good opportunity to really take a stranglehold on this division with the loss to the Colts, which is a game that they had won. They had, had it, won. and they let it slip away. Jacksonville, and, you know, they they were there, but they could never Some just time. get get yeah. close enough to get the win. That's why I think the win over Cleveland is important. This weekend is going to be important because you may have to rely on the wild card spot. Yeah, yeah. And I think a wild card comes out of this division. I think yeah. one of them come out of this division. <laughs> And the problem is it goes to divisional record, conference record. They have to turn things around against – I mean, it's almost like they got to run the table. 
and the the they got to beat the Texans twice, they got to beat the Colts and beat the Jaguars. It, they almost have to do to that. win the division, or just uh, to get the playoffs? definitely to win the division. But I think to get to the playoffs, they're going to have to do that too because you have other teams in the. I mean, you look at the, the Bills are, are are a capable team. They're they're three and one. They're a team I think that's going to be around because they have that defense. Who else do you have in there? Uh, the the Chargers are play two the Chargers, and two, right? They, yeah, you got to play the Chiefs. Yeah, so you figure if you go AFC West, you got the Chargers and Chiefs. Chiefs are going to win a division, so they'll be in there. Got to play Oakland. Yeah, I'm not too, too concerned into. about it. I wouldn't be too concerned about the Raiders, but still, that's why you play the game, right? right? You never so, know. So that's something. Uh, what about the AFC, AFC North? Yeah, there you go, AFC North, right? You got the Browns and Ravens. So this, this is what they have to look forward to. Buffalo this weekend. Mm-hmm. So first time at home in a while. I mean, the that's been tough. Only one home game through four games. Then you go on the road again next week at Denver. Then you have a couple of games at home with Los Angeles, the Chargers, and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then at Carolina, Kansas City in Week Ten, and then you get the bye. Yeah, I'm just looking overall, not as much at the the bill uh, the Titans schedule. I'm looking overall at other teams in the AFC that are there for the wild card. And I think really the competition is going to be the Browns, the Chargers, the Bills. Browns, Chargers, yep. Bills, Titans. Two wild card teams and then I'll come say out, a of team out of those And then I'll say a team out of the South, another team out of the South. I think that I think that you're going to have the division winner and then so whoever the Titans are vying right. for with the division. Right, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I, I'm saying we'll put the – AFC South Division title. We'll, we'll just put that on the shelf. I'm talking about for a wild card. Yeah, it's going to be two of those four teams. And and you know if the Titans win the division, then it'll be the Colts. Uh, dang, you got to put the Colts in. I mean, think about go, all right. Go division by division. Think about this. New England's probably going to win the East. So you they're can going put, to win. They're the East. they're going to win the East. Then Buffalo is going to be fighting for a wild card right, spot. Right. So you got Buffalo. All right. Then you go to the north. Cleveland and Baltimore are going to fight for that division. Baltimore's going to win that division. You, you got Cleveland. Yeah, Baltimore's Even after last week, division. you think? Baltimore will win that division. Okay. So you got Cleveland then, That's as you said. The AFC South, we know. And then the West, Kansas City's going to win that division. And then you probably get – you might get the Chargers out of it. I put the Chargers in there. So basically, with that exercise you just did, just reemphasize what we're saying – where I think there's going to be at least three teams in contention for a wild card out of the AFC South. Now, obviously, one of those teams is going to win the division, but the two teams that don't win the division. So I would say a competition of five teams in uh, for the wild card in the AFC. You still think Baltimore is going to win the North? Bruh, Baltimore is going to win the North. They gave up 500 yards back-to-back against the Chiefs and, and, and the Browns. However, once they get that thing turned around on defense, I believe in Wink Martindale as a as a DC. I believe in uh, Earl Thomas. I believe in Jimmy because Jimmy Smith, their best corner isn't even well. Right. Earl, Th- <sighs> Earl Thomas tough. been there. That's tough. I, I Marlon Humphrey's really good too, but one of their so let's say one of their top corners isn't even playing right now. And Jimmy Smith. So when he come, that that defense is going to come around, they'll they'll be fine. And Lamar is going to continue to excel as well. So I I have no doubt that they will win that division. Okay, 
Yeah, hey, listen, you're a guy I turn to, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you too much. But oh no, hey, and what listen, I saw man, last week, talking. I'm like, all right, Cleveland yeah. hanging around. But I, I think Cleveland is in the same boat as as the Titans as okay, you're gonna have good Baker and bad Baker, mm-hmm. and, and last week was was good Baker, was good mm-hmm. Cleveland. They're still up and down trying to figure it all out. So I think time will tell. Teron Davenport, Chase McCabe, Calvin Smith behind the glass. It is Chase and TD every Friday from 6 to 8. We'll have more coming as the Titans take on the Bills this week on ESPN 125 The Game. Jason TD, ESPN 102.5 The Game, Chase McCabe, Teron Davenport, Bob Marley, Calvin Smith is here too, playing the Bob Marley. Titans mm-hmm. and Bills coming up this weekend. The injury report came out, of course, something we pay attention to. The Titans did make a roster move. They had until, I think it was today, that they you know took Taylor Lewan off the suspension list. He's been practicing, he's been here, but... They had a few days before they actually had to make a, a physical roster move. So yeah. they take him off. The corresponding move was they put running back David Fluellen on injured reserve. So uh, he you know, has been battling injuries since training camp. They put him on IR. Currently two running backs on this roster, 11 offensive linemen. Could you foresee another move happening before Sunday? <laughs> well, i tell you what, man. If, if I'm Aaron Stinney and, and David Quesenberry, no disrespect, I'm tiptoeing around that locker yeah. because and my phone rings. I'm looking at it, not wanting to answer because I think one of them will end up being released and D- Dalen Dawkins will be upgraded to uh, the 53 man. I mean, you got to ca- you have he, to carry three. You almost backs. have to. Yeah, you almost have to. Even though, knock on wood, Henry and, and Lewis have been pretty healthy yeah. throughout their career. So uh, other players for the Titans listed on the injury report um, for today. Cameron Wake is questionable. He hasn't practiced all week with the hamstring. I'm going to lean towards probably doesn't play. He's playing. You think so? Mm-hmm. Okay. He's been riding that bike. <laughs> I tell you, man, he put a lot of miles on that stationary bike, man. That's that's all he's been doing. That guy's a beast. He's And you know what? He's not only a beast physically. He's a beast mentally. I I talked to him about just finances and things like that. Uh, yeah, actually, I was telling Calvin that's that's actually why we brought out talking with TD on Thursday instead of Wednesday because I was trapped at ninety one's locker because he would not let me go, telling me about <laughs> some of the things that that he has in the works. That dude completely has it together. I wanted to get Jarrell Casey, uh, but I wasn't able to because I was being schooled on finances from uh, Cameron Wake. TD and Cam Wake, best buddies. You guys <laughs> Wake, are becoming da- – you're talking Davenport plays. And Wake and Wake, financial advisors. I like it. I like it. And Cam, I mean, he's been a great addition to the locker room. The Buffalo Bills, though, have a lot of players mm. on the injury yeah, report. Very extensive. Uh, Pat DeMarco, the fullback, is questionable in the concussion protocol. Croft is out. Uh, you obviously have Josh Allen that's on this list, just questionable, and several, several others. I won't go through everybody. De- Devin Singletary is listed as questionable, and then Robert Foster, wide receiver, is listed as questionable as well. So the injury report there. Now, something we didn't get into earlier was the defensive front for the Buffalo Bills, and I'm curious about those guys, Jerry Hughes, Ed Oliver, 
you know, some of the players you were mentioning earlier and how they're going to match up against this, and I'll call it a new-look Titans offensive line mm-hmm. with the addition of Taylor Lewan coming off the suspension uh, and, and you know what he is going to bring to that. And, of course, Nate Davis being in there at right guard. I'm going to give you an exercise. You don't have to do it, but just imagine how dip- tough it is to do it. Say Star Lutalele. Just say his last name, Lutalele, five times. Very fast. Lutalele, 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 Lutalele. Oh, you did it well. Normally, for the normal person, that's something that's tough to do. The joke was going to be as tough as it is to do that. That's how tough it is to block him. He is someone, I remember him coming out of Utah. He actually reminded me of Haloti Nata. He's someone where you have that dancing bear moniker. Uh, He's a guy that, that is extremely powerful, but he's very agile for his size he's someone that really helps make that defense go there are times where they only rush four and they have the other seven in coverage and a lot of that is because of what he's able to do as far as getting into the the backfield the penetration that he generates and then right next to him you have ed oliver and uh his name's a little easier to say yeah it's a little easier but i don't know that he's easier to block oliver is, is he's a monster and one of the things that they like to do is they like to show blitz, whereas they, they like to influence the quarterback and receiver to go to that hot read on that slant. But when they do that, the problem is Ed Oliver is dropping right back into that passing lane. And that's something that they do uh, really well. Uh, and that's a part of their ability to disguise things. Oliver is a guy that Coach Rabel is very high on. He actually went down and, and – was one of the coaches that literally stepped in the drill and worked him out. So he got to feel his punch and his power directly. Rabel likes to do that. That's Yeah, that's his thing. But that's why the guys love him, because he's willing to get dirty with him. You know? uh, but Oliver is someone that is also a very disruptive player. He's able to get into the backfield. I saw multiple times where he got into the back. He didn't make the tackle, but he made the running back redirect where he was going. And that's something that – he did his job. It doesn't show up in the box score. So those two in there are, are very dangerous. And he got Shaq Lawson, right? Shaq yeah. was the 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 good version of the two Clemson guys that come out. You know the other one, he was here for a little bit, mm-hmm. Kevin Dodd. Kevin but, Dodd. Uh, you know, he's someone else they bring in and line him up on the outside on, as well as on the inside. And he's kind of like their NASCAR package guy, right, where you got four pass rushers, true pass rushers. In the game, he's he's disruptive too. Um, excuse me, he's disruptive too. You know, up front, and um, the last guy I'll mention is Jerry Hughes, and Hughes is someone that uh, Lawan talked about a little bit uh, about him being one of the best pass rushers. That's going to be a challenge for Lawan, especially his first game back. And that dude could get after the after the passer. He's one of those smaller, more condensed twitchy kind of uh, edge defenders. And I think it's going to be a really good matchup for Lewan and Hughes. That's one of the matchups to watch. Yeah, I am curious to see what we're going to get out of Taylor Lewan because he's been working out. I know he went over to Vanderbilt. He's been staying in shape. He was here during training camp, but he's been gone for four weeks. Yeah. So, that I mean, that's a month. That's a, that's a long time to not be around the team, not be in team meetings, not be with the team trainers not be in the weight room and all of that. So I, I I think he'll be okay. I think he's probably done his job. He's been in practice this week. 
but he still missed four weeks. He hasn't. He yeah. has not played a a true a regular season game yet. You can never duplicate the stress that playing a game of football puts on your body. That's number one. But for me, when I watch Luan, he's a very edgy player. He's an emotional player. He really feeds off of those emotions that he has. So what I'm curious about is whether or not he's going to be too aggressive, right? And and mm-hmm. you always want to fire off the ball. You want to you know do that in the running game. You want to you, you know do your job in the pass blocking part of things too. But you could be too aggressive and you could whiff. And a whiff, especially against a more condensed pass rusher like Jerry Hughes, could lead to a sack and also lead to an errant throw. God forbid a hard hit on Marcus that could result in, in something that I know most of this city doesn't want. So I, I just want to see how he's able to balance that aggressiveness with still playing with precision. So uh, that's what I'm going to watch for Lewan. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to be looking for that too because we know how uh, amped up, <laughs> I'm going to use the right word, <laughs> amped up Taylor Lewan can get. Uh, do you? I, I, I want to get off on a, on a tangent or a sidetrack for just a second about suspensions. Do you think that it's beneficial to have, I mean, I understand you have to discipline players and you have to suspend them where they don't play the games and don't practice or whatever, but just completely barring them from the facility, I... I I don't know if I, especially in certain cir- circumstances, I don't know if I really agree with that. Uh, tough question. I never really thought about that. But, I mean, end of the day. Like, what is the harm of him going to a meeting? I think they really want you disassociated from the franchise. And thinking about what you did or. I think I think that makes it about more than just the player and that it makes the locker room kind of involved because if your good player isn't playing, then the guys in the locker room, that kind of makes them a little mad and it gives you a reinforcement to not break the rules mm. because it would upset yeah. your locker room as well. I think that could be part of the logic. Good point. I mean, that's a good point. And, and here's the thing also. You ask anybody that played football, college, even high school, man, the thing you miss the most is being able to just bust chops, right? Yeah. Talk shop with each other. You miss that. You know what I'm Be saying? Be with the boys. Right. And even, I mean, you saw it when Lorenzo Neal was here with Derek Mason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is stuff that you miss being able to do. Me and some of my team, like we have group chats and stuff like that we do, but it's it's never the same as being able to be in person and, and, and talk trash. I mean, So I think that's something else that kind of, penalizes the player because now you're removed from the situation and you can't even not only are you not playing and and lining up with your guys you can't even be in a locker room and support them or have jokes with them uh while you're gone i mean we we got in here lorenzo neal came in during the midday show and we're talking about the music city miracle and saying you know setting up the play and everything and he goes what derek's never told you about oh that's right he can't remember it because he got knocked out (laughs) see and it's like See? stuff like that, which, I mean, you know, that was – and that's the whole story, that the two guys that knew the play were injured and could, couldn't run it. <laughs> so I see what you're saying. It's just – it's always been curious to me because I know, like, with the Kareem Hunt situation, you know, the Browns had appealed to the NFL about allowing him to still be in the facility, and the NFL said no. Yeah, because then you got to have to allow everybody. Right. What's it, special about Kareem Hunt? Right, exactly. So I, I do understand. I was just curious of your thoughts. 
Chase and TD, when we come back, Teron, mm. it's my favorite segment. The Mac Daddy. Ooh, Mac Daddy. Mac Daddy. Who's the Mac Daddy? Uh-oh. Exactly. We'll do that next. Chase and TD, ESPN 1025 again. Who's the Mac Daddy? Mac Daddy. Mac Daddy. Mac Daddy. Mac Daddy. You tell the mic is ever to run me a Mac Daddy. I mean, don't run with the young girl. That's right. It's time for the Mac Daddy of the week. Chase McCabe, Teron Davenport here on Chase and TD, ESPN 1025 The Game. Calvin Smith again. Saturday morning at 7 a.m., we get things started with pregame coverage. Calvin and Ryan Porth this week will have it for you, followed by NFL pregame at the George Jones on 2nd Avenue. So Sunday. I think you said Saturday. Did It'll be Saturday? Sunday morning before Titans-Bills. Yes. Yeah. Easy like Sunday morning, I meant man. Sunday. Make me yes. think of that. Makes me think of that Eddie George commercial where he puts – What's the uh, the shirt that the guy puts the Eddie George jersey yeah, yeah, yeah. on? They're like, easy like Sunday morning. Offbeat, but that's Commodore. all right. Oh, Commodore. Yeah. I saw Lionel Richie in concert. And it was Did pretty really? good stuff. Yeah. I had a teammate, man, one of the fellow receivers. You talk about busting chaps? We used to always call him Lionel Richie. Fred Smith, man. We used to always, because he looked just like Lionel Richie, man. He used to get so mad, <laughs> but he would never fight, you know, because that's not something you do in a locker room, but. Yeah, man. What was funny is when I saw Lionel Richie and I was there with my dad and he's, you know, he's in the middle of his show and he's playing like the deep cut old stuff, you know, that everybody just really is feeling. And he's like, you know, I look out in the audience and I see two types of people. I see the type of people that grew up listening to Lionel Richie and I see the type of people that were made to Lionel yes, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the Mac Daddy. <laughs> uh, listen. It's an easy choice for me. Arthur Juan Brown is my Mac Daddy hey. from last week. No I mean, two me. touchdowns, one of those for 55 yards. The Yak Daddy, hmm. A.J. Brown for me. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the best choice for that. Opened up the scoring with that touchdown. He's, yeah. Yeah, and, and listen, Marcus, Marcus played a good game. I really, really, really liked what I saw in the first half. I, I thought the first half is everything that this team can be on offense, on defense. It's the total package. Mm-hmm. It's just being able to put that together, and that's what I want to see this week. Your competition gets a little tougher with the Buffalo Bills. They're mad because you know they, they lost a close game with four turnovers. They, they, were, they only lost by six points. So all they needed was a touchdown and an extra point, and they would have won the game and beaten the New England Patriots. So they're a little ticked off for greatness coming in this weekend. But if you can play consistent in front of your home crowd, you should be able to improve to 3-2. and two. Yeah, I mean, I really think they should win this game. They really should. It's really playing into their strength. The stuff that you could do against the Bills is actually – Things that I think the Titans need to continue to do, building off of last week, that play action, that quick passing game offensively. So I get it. They made Tom Brady see ghosts last week. However, if you watch the Bengals game, there were definitely things that can be done against them. And I really think it's up to Art Smith just to dial it up, man. Coach Art, the the, the pressure is on him to put it together for him. So players to watch for on both sides of the ball for both teams. We'll start with offense, Teron, and uh, I'll start with the Tennessee Titans. Who are you looking at 
on offense this week. <laughs> now that I said all of that about designing plays to attack the in the passing game. You firing up the diesel truck? Hey, listen, man. I'm going back to that move, get out my way guy by the name of Derrick Henry. I think when you look at play action, it, it's you, you want to do that regardless of whether or not you set up the run. However, it's just that much more effective when you have that running game going. So I, I think for me, you know, you combat – uh, power with power, so uh, get get Henry downhill. Design some some plays, you know, to allow him to impact the the offense and and make things happen. For me, it's uh, it's going to be Adam Humphreys. Mm-hmm. I need Adam Humphreys to be involved in this offense, and I think that this is a situation in which he can be because if the Buffalo Bills are smart defensively, they're going to look at number eighty four. They're going to look at number eleven, and and not necessarily take them out of the game, but try. Adam Humphreys, you're going to be in a perfect situation to be able to use him over the middle, and they got to start getting him involved in the offense a little bit more. So I'm looking at ten. Yeah, I I think it's he's due. He's he's, due. he's so overdue. Yeah, overdue for sure. All right, now uh, the Buffalo Bills. Who are you looking at for them? It's Gore, man. I I really think he's he's their biggest offensive weapon. Again, you look at their rushing attack, 147 yards. That's what they're averaging per game. Number four in the league, as Marcel Louis-Jacques said, a lot of, uh, not a lot of, but a good part of that is Josh Allen. However, Gore is just, he's Mr. Reliable, and he's someone that I think is a factor. And he can still catch the ball out the backfield. So, for me, he's he's their uh, the top, the, the Bills' top uh, guy to watch. Yeah, I agree with you, but, you know, I'm going to be different. I'm mm-hmm. going to pick someone else. Uh, receiver John Brown okay. is somebody that I'm going to be watching. Last week, five receptions, 69 yards in the loss to the Patriots uh, on the season, just one touchdown. But he's a, he's he's a big weapon for Josh Allen or whoever is going to be the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. And and if I knew Allen was playing, I'd probably be be looking at him. But John Brown is is my vote on offense. We mentioned the Bills not giving up a, a passing play of 40 yards or more. Titans haven't either. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how that vertical uh, aspect that John Brown brings is going to play against the Titans secondary. I love these secondaries. I love the Both matchup of, of these solid, secondaries. Solid. That leads us to the defensive side of the ball. And uh, I will I will just go ahead and lead this off because it was somebody we talked about earlier at the top of the show that I gave pra- praise five. to. 2-5, do it again. Listen to your head coach. Do it again. Adoree Jackson, talking about you. Had a good game last week against the Atlanta Falcons. Let's do it again this week against the Buffalo Bills. All I can say is exactly. Yeah, but be consistent. I'm picking a different guy, you know, from the other school out there in Southern California or Cali, period, and as UCLA – I'm picking Jayon Brown. And Jayon Brown set a career high in tackles last year against the Bills, 11 tackles. I'm looking to see him repeat that. And he's going to be really important as far as on blitzes, sideline to sideline pursuit. I think he's someone that that is due for another one of those big games. So I'm going with Jayon Brown. I like Jayon Brown, man. He he's one of those guys that I I watch him play, and I get I have a man crush on him just because he's yeah. he's so good. He's, he's a heck of a FIFA uh, FIFA is that how you say it? FIFA? Soccer FIFA. Yeah. He's a heck of a FIFA player, man. I watched him uh, beat Brent Urban today in the locker room. 
and everybody went crazy. Oh, they get, <laughs> they're getting serious about the FIFA. Yeah. Now, on the Buffalo Bills side of things, the defense, again, I said, I just said it, that I love the secondary of both teams. So, naturally, I have to pick a player out of the secondary. It's going to be Micah Hyde, the free safety. And the comparisons that you made earlier between the safety tandem for the Tennessee Titans and that of the Buffalo Bills, they're eerily similar in, uh, in how they're able to stop offenses. But Micah Hyde is somebody that if the Titans want to be successful, they have to limit him uh, when they're out there on offense. So I look at Micah Hyde. Yeah, Micah Hyde is interesting. You, you mentioned him. He's a guy that a lot of people compared Amani Hooker to coming mm-hmm. up. And actually you got the Iowa um, connection. But, yeah, I, I think it's it's very good to and, and accurate to pick a safety as one of the guys. Me personally, I am going to go with Ed Oliver for the reasons I discussed earlier. He's a big part of their disguising defenses and kind of baiting quarterbacks into putting the ball in harm's way. So I'll take Oliver in addition to his ability to penetrate the backfield. I want to wrap this up by asking you about something I haven't brought up yet, but I was very, very happy to hear Mike Vrabel basically say about the fourth down play, like going for it on fourth down. He pretty much admitted, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And we've seen the aggression that he's had since he's become a head coach here the last couple of years. I mean, he's not afraid to roll the dice and to go for it. You know, I, I go back to the game in London last year, trying to win the game with the two-point conversion. Had no problem with that. That's fine. Go for it. Try and come out of there with a win. But there are times where I see him make calls like that, and I see the former player, and I don't see the head coach. And yeah. I think that there are times where he he's trying to balance the player and the coach. Right, and as a player – a lot of times you're fueled by emotion. Mm-hmm. As a coach, you're supposed to be wise enough to not allow that emotion to really dictate your decisions. I think that's really what it came down to. He was like, listen, man, if I can't trust my guys to give me one yard, what can I trust them to do for me? And that's why he ended up you know, yeah. calling it. Also, no coincidence, the Colts did that against the Titans right. previously, and it, it was successful. So I get it. I get it. I think to his credit, he said, you know, maybe not what and I would have done given the opportunity again. And and I'll say this, Teron, even if he hadn't gone for it, I know he trusts his guys. Like yeah. it, that does that's that's not an issue for me. But that's the emotion. That's right. what I'm talking about. Playing on that emotion. So I, I'm glad to hear him admit that, you know, looking back at it, that he, he probably should have taken the field goal and not not gone for it there, but I, that's a part of the growing process. It's part of him learning as a head coach and, you know, again, taking some of that emotion out of it, taking the player hat off and putting the coach hat on. And, you know, the, the guys know he has, has their back, but at the same time you have to manage the game. And so I think that's a a work in progress. The Titans have to do what to win this game? Not turn the football over. They have to not turn the football over and can't forget, man, Brett Kern, shout out to Brett Kern. Yeah, Hall of Famer. Continue to set that mark. <laughs> Hall of Famer Brett Kern. When it comes to – and he should have been the special teams player of the month. That's yeah. a, a crime. I understand the whatever boot or whatever they, they, his nickname is in Cleveland, but, you know, end of the day, Brett Kern is better. I agree. I agree. you got to hang on to the football. Marcus Mariota has done a good job of that. He's protected it. But fumbling the football is another thing that the Titans have to work on. So I agree with you. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. You're not going to put up a ton of points because of both defenses, but 
I do give the Titans an edge to get it done. Teron, that's going to do it for another week. We will talk to you next week. But Mm -hmm. coming up next, it is Talking with TD here on Nashville's Best Sports Talk, ESPN, 1025 The Game.